Welcome to Tyrone Sports. I'm your host, David Thay, joining with my Dog Nation buddies. Now a little bit closer than we have been previously, thanks to Scott moving back to the right coast of the nation and being only, you know, a good hour away from me. Scott, tell the people what's up. Oh, man, that Publix fried chicken just hits different. <laughs> and Jonathan, tell the people what's up. Who needs receivers when you've got tight ends? Amen. We asked the question last spring if 14 would be our favorite personnel grouping, and it's been pretty close to true. Um, Turns out we're pretty good in 12 personnel. If you're new to the show, please like and subscribe. We only do this about once a month right now because I'm in the middle of coaching football season, hopefully winning a region championship, and I have no time. So (laughs) these guys are sacrificing a weeknight so that we can make a quick review of the first third of the UJ football season. And I can't believe it's already been a month. That's crazy. That's already been four games. I feel like the Oregon game was just yesterday. So I want to start off right away with this question. What has been better than you hoped or expected? I would say the opener went a little bit better than hoped and expected. And that mostly had to do with uh, the offense. And that was maybe more of a mm. better than expected, but maybe not better than hoped. Okay. Yeah, um, certainly the opener uh, was was better than I expected. I might even say that was better than I hoped. I it might also me, say yeah. high level. I, j- just the whole team is actually better than I expected it would be. I was thinking earlier today about if I think this is the best Georgia team I've ever seen or the second best Georgia team I've ever seen. Um, I don't know if it's either one of those, but it's close. And that's surprising. Uh, I uh, Back in August, I would not have told you uh, that mm-hmm. I thought we were about to maybe watch one of the best Georgia teams uh, I've ever seen. And the way they played so far, um, I mean, it's, they're, they're in the conversation. And, and that's something. Um, and that is, that is better, than I, better than I expected. That's actually an interesting take, too, that through four games, this is about as good as we've had a Georgia team play uh, with regard to expectations through four games. And against, you know, a really quality opponent in Oregon who we now know doesn't suck. Uh, I thought they sucked. And then they went out and smashed BYU and then beat Washington State, who are both teams that people think are decent teams. And then we go and just demolish South Carolina, which is a team that was supposed to at least give us, you know, a game, keep it within three touchdowns, and they didn't. <laughs> we beat them by six touchdowns. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that it's, it's in play. And, I mean, I might even – without even comparing it to other Georgia teams, I might also say – Despite the fact that I felt, I think I predicted we'd go 11 and 1 or 12, 12 and 0. I don't even remember which one I said it was. I really was not actually thinking of this year as a national championship season, um, mm. assuming we'd be very good and win most of our games, but then probably not be good enough to beat Alabama, win the playoff, whatever. Um, I mean, after four games, uh, th- that's flipped. Uh, it's it, it absolutely can be a national championship season. I mean, at this point in the season, based on our rank, uh, and also pretty much generally on performance, I think there are a lot of people that are starting to say it should be a national championship season, that Georgia yeah. is the favorite. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I take that opinion for what it's worth, but in August, I thought we were going to be very good. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't gearing up <laughs> to go all the way again. And now, um, listen, that is, that is obviously in the realm of possibility. Scott. It's been a 
about as expected, right? Big picture, which is expected to probably start 4-0, and expected to be one of the top three teams that were sort of a clear separation yeah. away from the rest of the pack, expected the defense to still be good, but also have some growing pains and not be as good as last year, and expected the offense to carry a little bit heavier load, but still be efficient and built around 12 personnel. So big picture, not a ton of surprises. I am surprised at how well the secondaries played. Christopher Smith doesn't just like a good college football player. He looks like a fantastic college football player. Like he's going to be an all SEC safety. And I believe on pro football focus, wasn't he one of our two or three highest graded players on the season? Yeah, I think him and Starks and Dan Jackson at one point were all three of the highest graded, like of the 10 highest graded defensive players in all of college. Something really stupid. But yeah, that, that's that's been better than expected. Yeah. Among players who are playing significant snaps, uh, best average grade on the season is Bennett and then Bowers and then Dan Jackson, Christopher Smith, uh, Dumas Johnson, Nolan Smith, Malachi Starks. And I stopped my feet and said, guys, I don't think they're going to play a freshman to safety. Our freshman safety is going to be an all-SEC safety. Like, he is not only deserving to play, he's fantastic. I mean, he is one of the probably four best players in our defense already, okay, based on what I've so, seen. So, yeah, sidebar away from the four-game review here. Um, what are the chances that he is the best non-Champ Bailey defensive back in school history? Ooh, okay, that's a good mm. one. Got to think about that because the list really isn't very long. We've had a lot of defensive backs that were good but not great. And so great defensive backs. I mean, the last really good defensive back we had was DeAndre Baker, but he wasn't anywhere close to a Champ Bailey level. Um, we had some, we've had some good safeties. I mean, God, what was the last – I mean, Tim Wansley, is that probably the best defensive back both after Champ, you know, of the, of the uh, Rick era? I mean, Tim Wansley and – We've again, we've had guys that were good, but not a guy that you like. Oh, that guy's a lock all American at corner, and we've had some good safeties. That's that's in play, I would say that, especially if the guy's an all American as a freshman. I mean, yeah, I, I think at the safety position, you can always go back to like Sean Jones and Greg mm-hmm. Blue. I thought you can, Sean lot, Jones. you can go a Jermaine lot, you can go a lot back, yes, yeah. Jermaine Phillips. But mm-hmm. I, I think he profiles as being better than those guys. You can go mm-hmm. further back to like your. Jake Scott's Scott Warner's those are some yeah. more of your like all Americans multiple time all Americans Super Bowl MVP kind of you know resume yeah. okay uh, I mean didn't didn't Thomas Davis play safety for us he did he was a safety. he did a little bit but uh, yeah I mean he did and he was a good college safety but I think we all knew he was really a linebacker but like mm-hmm. you raised an interesting point Scott and especially when you think about the fact that Georgia has a history of like I said good but not elite corner play or guys that project to be good NFL players but like there was not a Georgia corner that you said this guy's going to be a 10 time all pro at, at that position since Champ Bailey whereas you know Alabama's taking had guys like Patrick Sertan and you're like if this guy's not a four or five time all pro I'll be surprised you know they've had those guys and they haven't all worked out but They've had him or uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, where you're like, this guy will be one of the best players in the secondary of whatever team he's on within one year, which was true for him. And um, yeah, that's a really good question, Scott. But it go, going back to like, I guess as a rabbit trail, that was a good rabbit trail. He's been not only playing, but playing at a super high level. Corner is kind of what we thought. Ringo doesn't even get thrown at. It's been 
mostly good on the other side. Kamar Lasseter did go inside on a hit screen the other day and give up a touchdown, which made me laugh because my corner did it the week before and uh, it wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't funny when my guy did it. Um, we weren't, we're not quite as good as Georgia. Um, and then the front has been kind of like you said in the preseason, Scott, good enough. People that aren't good can't run the ball on us. People that have great scheme and tempo can run the ball on us and half the game when the coaches decide to basically try new things on defense, as Kirby said he was doing. So there's that. What has not gone as you expected? Yeah, so, I mean, the the power run game uh, has has not been as I expected it would be. Yep. Still feeling like certainly one of the strengths of this team is the offensive line um, and also still liking our talent at running back, um, but starting to feel like uh, what I thought of as the level of talent in the running back room uh, preseason – is maybe not exactly uh, as high as I thought it was. Uh, Scott's the, nodding his head. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the, uh, the the running game, uh, while still very effective, and yeah. uh, and we're coming up with explosive plays, mostly when we hand it to our tight end, um, but also not to short Kenny McIntosh, who has really had a sort of James Cook plus uh, kind of role thus far. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just is so, so impressive in the passing game and really also still a very good slashing kind of runner. Um, but overall, the running game, while we are the number one team in the country and we're doing very well, it's not been as good as I had hoped it would be. Yeah. And, and Scott, you've said this for a year now, but we are not very explosive. We're just very efficient. And we have good college backs, none of whom are going to be NFL stars. You've been saying that. And, and the other thing, too, is it, this is maybe a little bit unexpected, but that we have at times basically gone, I don't know, quasi air raid and yeah. just used, mm-hmm. you know, short running back passes as extended run game. Um, even with that taken into account, this will be sort of in defense of our run game. Uh, the running back. So taking out the, you know, the other runs, the running backs are still averaging over five yards a carry mm-hmm. with a high success rate. And that's a lot of carries on third and short, right? That's the times we're actually running the ball. So there's lots of times we've been a third and short or down by the goal line. You know, the times we have actually punched in some touchdowns, lots of one-yard runs over the season or over the course of the four games, that brings your average down some. Mm -hmm. So on a down-by-down average per carry success rate, we've been good. We've been consistent running the ball overall. With the exception of Redstone rushing against cupcakes. Yeah, we've been bad in those short yard situations for whatever reason. And you're talking about the bring the average down. I think I texted y'all when Brock Bowers had a two-yard run after a 75-yard run. I said, man, they're just <laughs> killing his yards per carry, man. Just killing them. Um, so while we're talking about the offense, I actually kind of agree that like the run game I thought would be a little bit more cons- – how do I say this? I thought the run game would be better than good. I never thought it was going to be great. I thought it'd be better than good. It's been good. And I think what I'm surprised by is that Kendall Milton has not been as good as I thought he might be. I go back to the freshman Kendall Milton. We saw who at times like our best pure runner in flashes. And 
I think you wrote put our notes, Scott, but he looks like a guy that's got a hurt hamstring. And our best pure and, runner and, is and he does have a hurt hamstring. Right, that's right. a known fact. And I I'd argue that our best pure runner might be Dejon Edwards. He is just the most stable and consistent on the carry by carry basis. And we know that Kendall Milton has more talent in his right thigh than Dejon Edwards has in his entire body. Um, but and I'm not advocating for him to start. I'm just saying it's like I know that Dejon Edwards is a guaranteed five yards, possibly 12, and probably never two and never 20. <laughs> yeah. And that, yep. you know, to talk about the offensive line as well, um, and think about what Kendall Milton's strengths theoretically are when he's at full health. Um, the weakness of the offensive line so far has been the guard play. Um, and uh, again, we've got some of the numbers we're going to talk about. Uh, the offense is, is very good. Um, but if you're, if you're looking for the place um, that, that really could be improved, um, we're just, we're just not getting uh, really elite guard play, which also um, if there was a problem on the offensive line of the team that won the national championship last year, uh, <laughs> it was the same place. Yeah, uh, it, right. Guard play was, was also um, what we, what we sort of figured out um, all season last year. So that doesn't help Milton either. I mean, that, that is probably where he would be excelling um, if he were having uh, a season with the best version of himself. Um, So those two things are conspiring to, uh, well, to not make the power run game, especially as effective as it could be. Yeah. And, and those running backs, well, I was going to say the running backs, the three main guys, Milton Edwards, McIntosh have three or they have 30 catches combined. Wow. Through four games um, for uh, 300 something yards, wow. averaging almost 12 yards a reception. And so if you look at this, those three guys and just look at their scrimmage plays, they collectively have, what is this about? I don't know, 800 or something yards and almost seven yards per touch. That's going on our Twitter later so, on. Okay. Yeah. So, so good. The, I mean, the, the pass plays to the running backs and the tight ends are just uh, next level. And one of the things that we've all said is that one of the reasons we've been so successful there is the perimeter blocking because mm-hmm. Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington just eat defensive backs. Just and, eat, well, just have no chance. And, and the wide receivers are getting after it too, which is, you know uh, – Obviously, you expect Darnell Washington to throw smaller guys around, right? You would expect or at least hope that you would get good blocking effort out of Bowers. Yeah. So having, you know, having A.D. Mitchell run into dude like, you know, five yards out of bounds blocking <laughs> yeah, so that he can turn around and celebrate a touchdown is, you know, that's impressive. McConkey pancaking guys. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a culture no. thing. Like, George... George Pickens and what he did to the Michigan defender. I mean, that's a that's a culture thing. And they it's taught and they take pride in it. And it you can see why we talk about it's an entire football team game. It matters. They truly believe that all 11 players are part of the success of the team. And you can see that in their effort. Uh Scott, give us the rundown of the offensive stats. Yeah, well, I'll I'll backtrack real quick, but we're obviously we're number one in the AP and the coaches poll as of right now. Okay. Um fairly slim margins between one, two, and three at this yeah. point in the votes. Um Number three in SP plus, number one in FEI, number three in FPI. All three of those, one, two, and three are very close. It's like, oh, this team would be favored by a half a point on a neutral field, or this team would, you know, be a one point underdog. It's pretty close, us and and Bama and Ohio State. Um, and uh, that really kind of holds true as we get into the the offensive numbers as well a little bit, which is the uh, 
SP plus number five in offense right now, uh, number two in FEI total offense coming in right about 550 yards, which is third nationally and 8.1 yards per play, which is second nationally uh, scoring. Wow. offense. Scoring offense is a paltry 45 points per game, uh, which is a <laughs> lowly ninth overall. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> and and you'll notice, and honestly, that does sort of speak to one of the things we talked about, which is the red zone efficiency, right? The reason that we're uh, third in yards, second in yards per play, and only, quote, only ninth in scoring offense is because we've left some some points on the table. I think – you know, uh, red zone touchdown percentage is 65%, which is 66 nationally. So we're right about Ooh. average when it comes okay. to scoring touchdowns. Now, granted, it's four games. Only looking at percentage of touchdowns in the red zone. There's only so many opportunities in four games. These are the stats where you, you know, you're 66 nationally. You go punch in five touchdowns next week, and all of a sudden you're 30th nationally. So it, big swings on that. But... It, that's where it is right now, and that's I think pretty reflective of what people have seen so far on the on the X's and O's side of things, right? Like what's been happening schematically. The main schematic takeaway is the question: Is Munkin going to be gone soon? Yes, the answer is yes. Um, are, we sure, are we are we sure about that? I mean, uh, well, where do you think he's going to go? Is my question. That was what I was about to say. Uh, let me let me answer this with something else, which is the number fifty-four, which is his age. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's young enough to go somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like yeah. he is older. He's only fifty-four. It does. It does. Yeah. Gosh, so he's like my my main thing is: Do you think he's going to leave for a college football head coaching job? Is that what you think is going to happen? I think I, it's more like he leaves for an NFL OC job. I do yeah. too. I, I do too. Yeah. He, he yeah. had a college football head coaching job and was right. being successful at it and it left good. it for an NFL OC. Yeah. Um, recruiting is not his main thing. Mm, I think yeah. he could go You're get right. paid as much being an OC in the NFL and he could have two months off in the summer. Yep. So I think, and he was with the Browns, wasn't really getting full play calling duties. It feels like he didn't get his fair shake in the NFL. Mm. Yep. So. It, it could happen. Now, also, maybe he likes calling plays in games where you got better players than the other people because that can be <laughs> That's too. true. And, that is true. And he's getting paid really well. So this isn't, yeah. you know, saying, oh, it's definitely going to happen, but it could absolutely happen. It wouldn't be a surprise. But that's what I mean, jobs are coming open like Arizona State, Todd Munkin, like Georgia Tech, Todd Munkin. And I'm like, yeah. really? Is that what we think he's I mean, aiming that, for? I just, I don't I just think so. I don't think so either. And I say this. We're running air raid concepts out of 12 personnel. <laughs> it's it's nice. It's and that's nuts. the and that's basically our other X's and O's notes, which is we've alluded to and said a lot of air raid concepts. And the one my main takeaway on the offensive approach is that our best group is 12 personnel, and that leaves every play call on the table at yeah. every down and distance. Yeah. You just split Bart Bowers out and he's probably your best receiver you put in motion he's probably your best running back you put him on the river he's probably your best blocker what's the who's who's the comp for him right now there's not one there's really not because the george kittles of the world do not run like him Mm-mm. travis kelsey doesn't even run like him um a lot of the guys like cal pitts don't block like him right I, he's he's kind of he's kind of molding himself into his own unique 
category. I mean, I just you have to comp three or four players to get him. So it's like he's got a little bit of Cal Pitts and a little bit of Delaney Walker and a little bit of Vernon Davis. Like, that's, that's what you have to do. To that's get the that's comp why player. I asked it. I think so too. I think he's just like he's he's more brutal than like Pitts, Gonzalez, mm. you know, those types, but he's he's more fleet than you know the Gronks of the world. Yeah. Um that, that's why I asked. He he's he sort of doesn't have one, I, I don't think. I, honestly, the the football only, let me just say football only, he has a lot of similarities to Aaron Hernandez. Okay. Because Aaron Hernandez was that's a guy good. who similar size, mm-hmm. probably blocked a little bit better than you should at his size. That's and true. looked like a running back after the catch. They would throw him shovel passes. That's true. That's mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. I don't I want that makes me want to want to know what Aaron Hernandez ran. And I'm also wondering if Bowers like is is he really like a four four guy? Is he that fast? And I don't he, know. He legit ran four or five like sophomore right. or junior year laser time at a camp at pretty similar size to where he is now. Okay. I, uh, he's been pretty physically maxed out since he was like 16. Yeah, so I don't yeah. know that he's necessarily he's faster than a four yeah. or five. He just is already there. Um, Golly, let's let him return kickoffs. Last year, he hit some high miles per hour. Yeah. Especially like the UAB game. But also worth noting, McConkie was catching him. And I okay. think McConkie is he's probably a real a, four, four, a sub four or five guy. Yeah. He's a four, four or four, four, mm-hmm. five. But I think Bowers is a four five. But when you're a four five and as good at football as him, that goes a long way. It's it's a lot different when you're a four five and nobody can tackle you. But yeah. DBs cannot be DBs bounce off him. So last question about Bowers before we switch over. Um should he be getting a Heisman buzz? Because you cannot tell me there are five players in the country better than him. More impactful, maybe because of the position he plays, but you can't tell me there's five that are better. The and certainly the touchdowns are helping him. The run plays are helping him in that regard, like Heisman buzz, right? Like literally yeah. like what goes on the Heisman highlight reel, um, the, the way they're using him um, is is going to contribute to that. I mean, I think the answer is yes. I don't, if, I, if I, I don't have him the front runner right now, but but if, no, if, if no, he keeps no. going the way he's going, I, like, no, it, it's, yeah, it's headed that direction. If he keeps up this pace, he yeah. will absolutely be getting buzz. Uh, for the record, that do they vote before the national championship? When do they vote? They do. They vote after uh-huh. the SEC, they vote after the conference championship games. Yeah, after conference championships mm-hmm. games. Okay, yep. I, I always have to remember exactly when. Um, so in that case, he is on pace for what, twenty touchdowns. I don't know, twelve hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. So that's no, no, twelve hundred rushing and receiving. Yeah. That's not necessarily going to be enough, enough to to win it or even to be a finalist. Yeah, but it's enough to get you buzz and get you some votes. Now that being said, he hasn't played a whole lot of you know full games yet. Yeah. And when we start playing more real games, you might see the rotations of the skill players shrink to a smaller number of players, more plays out there. But you know, right now he has 358 yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns. Now he's averaging twenty away. yards a touch, a catch, yeah, 20, a touch, okay, a, a touch, Jeez. yeah. Good gosh, yeah. So it it's pretty dumb. And he had about nine hundred and forty yards and fourteen touchdowns from scrimmage 
last year. So he has name recognition from last year. He's on a good team that's winning, improved level of play, and improved statistics from last year. So that's trending in the right direction to get votes. Um, real hard to get serious finalist consideration unless yeah. you're up over like 1,500 total yards. Because if the offense is doing well, he's going to split some credit with Stetson and Heisman voting. There is a precedent, though, for the highlights because Reggie Bush's sophomore year, he was a Heisman finalist with 900 rushing yards. Didn't even lead his own team. Lindell White did. And everybody knew that he was – and I, I could be wrong on him being the Heisman, Heisman finalist, but he had phenomenal Heisman buzz a sophomore year when he didn't even lead his own team in rushing. So mm-hmm. if the highlights are there – and again, Reggie Bush did have the all-purpose stuff, the kick returns, the pump returns. But if there's enough buzz, you can get there without necessarily having the counting stats. But again, that's a long shot. It's neither here nor there. Before we leave offense, your evaluations of Stetson Bennett. I'll start with – I'll go first. He's been good. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think I've been – what's been impressive to me with Stetson is that he's been more consistent – on the footwork and the accuracy and timing and getting the ball out on time and taking fewer risks, bad risks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the fewer bad risks has kind of scaled down a little bit. I've still kind of see him make a couple steps in Yolo throws here and there, you know, that I don't love, <laughs> but, um, but like on the down to down play by play basis, much more consistent mechanics, accuracy, timing, mm-hmm. The, the things that go into playing quarterback that aren't arm strength and physical measurables. He's been even better than he was last year. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to be in complete control of the offense. And uh, there's a lot going on in this offense. Um, there's, there's a lot of people going this way and that uh, before and after the snap. And so um, all of that, I, he he's using his feet really well. I mean, that's always been something mm-hmm. that he brought to the table. Yeah, that um, that that really helped him, and and he's using that as well this year as as he ever has. He's um, he's channeled his inner DeAndre Swift, which has been impressive. He's got that dead leg, <laughs> yeah. that dead leg cut back on that linebacker every time, man. He's, uh, he's been he's been almost as good as I could expect him to be. If there's anything that seems to have been just a click off, it's actually the deep ball. Uh, which, and well, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to run, run through plays in my head right now. I was about to say more often, I feel like he's overthrown than underthrown, but I, I, he's underthrown some as well, but that's actually been a little bit different for him in years past, even Mm -hmm. when maybe he wasn't making the best decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, he's always had a very good deep ball. Uh, this year, it feels like he hasn't quite dialed that in perfectly yet. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So. So due to some technical difficulties, we are actually re-recording the second half of our podcast. Yay. So, uh, yeah. And uh, we're going to start by running over the defensive stats, which are somewhat surprisingly good, but also kind of not surprisingly good. Scott, go ahead and hit that up for us. And there was much rejoicing. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, SP plus and FEI, some of the, you know, Opponent-adjusted type mix. Defense is number five in SP+, plus, number one in FEI. The difference there being the SP+, plus is a play-by-play approach, and FEI is a drive-by-drive approach, mm-hmm. which is going to make a lot of sense when you look at it and see that our 
defense is 300 yards per game and 4.8 yards per play, which is 22nd and 29th overall, but only 10.7 points per game, fourth nationally overall. And all those numbers are FBS games only, so that throws out the 128-yard shutout versus Samford. So you can actually probably uh, round some of those national numbers down a little bit because while other people also played FCS games, they probably didn't get as much of a statistical boost as we did from that. You know, we've we've had a little bit of bend but don't break uh, character to our defense this year. Um, And that I think that really speaks in part to something we said earlier, which is that one of the maybe surprising strengths of this team this year has been the play of the secondary. Uh-huh. Uh, we have had um, a lot of drives, uh, six that I can think of off the top of my head uh, this year, where we have given up some yardage, but they ended with no points for the opponent mm-hmm. because of interceptions. Um, Starks has two, Chris Smith has two, Dan Jackson has one, uh, Trevin Marshall has one. Um, so that right there is sort of um, – sort of some unplanned but certainly well-earned uh, stops on, on the part of the defense, um, but stops that we're getting from the secondary, whereas last year we probably would have gotten those from the front some kind of way. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think one of the things that's different is, and Scott, we talked about this on the original time we recorded this, but by the eye test, it seems that we are blitzing less and we are also getting home less. And I don't know if it's chicken or the egg, but we talked about how people are scheming us to get the ball out because we were so good at pressure last year, especially linebacker pressure, especially with our inside backers, because we had two guys that ran four or fives blitzing on the inside. And I will, and inside and interior pressures, especially when you're doing an X blitz with Jordan Davis <laughs> or a great call. And they were one of our bread and butter ways of providing pressure this year. It really seems that we're doing a lot more four-man pressures and a lot less five- and six-man pressures, um, so just by the eye test. And I know we were talking about we don't have the stats to back that up, but do y'all kind of agree that's what you're seeing with just the eyeball test? Yeah, it's definitely felt like a lot less blitzing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and really what sort of hasn't changed from last year is our outside linebackers, um, mm, except yeah. for Adam Anderson, who was our best pass rushing yes, outside linebacker. True. Um, we still have Nolan Smith. We still have Robert Beal, who are both like super solid and trustworthy outside linebackers, neither of whom are great at getting to the quarterback. Um, and maybe that's just a little more apparent this year because we don't have the pressure coming from other places, including from Jalen Carter, who, of course, has been out injured. And because the opposing quarterbacks have just been running away for 20 yards and chucking it in the stands anytime <laughs> they run more than a slant. So it's. <laughs> This is what happens with sample size stuff, right? It's like, oh, yeah. you played Bo Nix. What? You don't have any sacks because he just ran around Tecmo Bowl style and then arm punted it off, you know, out of bounds. <laughs> and you made a good point that, Scott. Like, I hadn't thought about that, but Bo Nix is notoriously hard to sack. I mean, he oh, yeah. is very difficult to get on the ground. Um, one of the things that makes him a passable quarterback. And while we're talking about the secondary, we had the discussion about whether or not Malachi starts to be the best team to back in Georgia history, or at least in our lifetime. And I think it's a champ Bailey, not champ Bailey. Yeah. And I think it's a legit debate, like a legitimate discussion. Like 
when we talked about the his, the safety history with guys like Thomas Davis, Greg Blue, all these guys, um, Sean Jones, and you're like, were any of those guys better than just really good college players? Well, and not only does it seem like he has the chance to be an all-time great, um, he he plays the position maybe under the most scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that, I mean the position that Kirby Smart seems to take the most interest in. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. He, Kirby always has a guy that he wants to be, um, that difference-making safety. Um, I mean, he – he had this relationship with Richard LeCount, right, from day yes, one. Where, like, yes. he just he, – he was going to make Richard LeCount into what he wanted him to be. And Lewis and actually, did, and actually, did LeCount ever become exactly what Kirby Smart wanted him to be? Uh, maybe that's uh, the Yeah. Yeah. Um, Le- starts, LeCount's it underrated. It seems like he's on the path to be the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. But but you're right, Jay. Like, you can clearly see it was – it was Richard LeCount and it was Lewis Seen. Yep. And it's Malachi Starks now. And Christopher Smith is one of the guys that has totally overachieved in his college career. Converted corner. was darn good one, too, at Hateville Charter. And he has gone from being a guy that wasn't supposed to even start last year, or the sorry, the year before, to a guy that wasn't supposed to be good last year, and then he was, to a guy that's like supposed to be just a solid starter this year. And he's phenomenal so far this year. And – it's a testament to, you know, the the talent development that apparently we supposedly we don't do at Georgia. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. don't develop. So, uh, question, since we're doing player comps for freak football players, player comps for Malachi Starks? Ooh, okay. Mm. He's he's not – okay, okay. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, yeah. I have one I like, but I will not poison the well until other people have been able to give their opinion. Okay, he's seems to be a pretty balanced safety. He's equally good coverage, good ball skills, good tackler, but he's also a little undersized. Would like a Kevin Byard be a good comparison? A guy that can do a little bit of everything. Might be selling him a little bit short, but oh, I mean, I okay, guess Kevin, okay. Oh, I say, uh, oh, I say Kevin Byard in the NFL. Okay, is, yeah. is not Kevin Coming Byard college, in college. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. Coming but, out of college, uh, yeah. but yeah, Kevin Byard obviously has been like a. Pro Bowl player, right. so I'm not, <laughs> not saying this and knock. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's quite as physical as Earl Thomas, but that's Mm-mm. a decent cop, especially when you consider the, the size speed. I think Thomas might be a little bit smaller. So, what do you, go ahead, Scott? What are you thinking here? Eric Berry. Oh, God, you went way high. He, he, and, came and, to my, he came to my mind and, and, I pushed him out just because – well, I, just so far I feel like Barry is more physical than I've seen Starks be. But um, but I, I see where you get it. I mean, whoever it is, they have to have elite speed. Like, elite, I mean, that – I mean, Starks is – He does. So, He's got it. He's got it. Yeah. And high-level high ball skills. It, yeah. Former high school quarterbacks yeah. with good ball yeah. skills that can run and hit. Eric Berry, I don't know. He didn't have CTE by age twenty-five. The way he would hit people, God. yeah, he was he yeah. was so physical. I, I, I've heard I've heard Starks is that as well, but he is totally seen that yet. But boy, yeah, that's that's how he's great. already shown he's a good tackler though. That's that's a yeah. really good one. Uh, and the other rookie that we talked about, rookie <laughs> fresh, we talked about a lot was Michael Williams. We all said it. He's gonna play from day one. He's going to be good very early on. Mm-hmm. Both of those are true. He's playing, and he's already very, very good. Very, very good. Um, while we're on the defense, before we, we start wrapping up, one of the things that we had also talked about was Jonathan mentioned so many drives 
that end up in a lot of yards, but don't end up a lot of points. And part of that being because we have been fantastic in the red zone. Just absolutely stoned Oregon late in that game in the red zone and held South Carolina out until we put in our third stringers and they finally got a garbage touchdown pass on was it Daniel David. I mean, like, just a great, a really good throw and catch. And I think that's also one of the things that contributes. And I mentioned this to you, Scott. I'm not sure if red zone defense is one of those things that's stable. Um, but I do know that Georgia, who is a team that is already difficult to run against, becomes more difficult to run against when you condense the field and they can commit more in the box and just play man because there's not a lot of space. And I would like to think that that's maybe a trend that we will can see continue. Obviously, one of the things that makes red zone defense harder is playing running quarterbacks, which we haven't really played. We've kind of played a quasi-running quarterback in Bo Nix. But like an Anthony Richardson is going to really test how good your red zone defense is. But fortunately, as Jay points out every week, Anthony, Anthony Richardson cannot actually throw. So there's that. <laughs> For what it's worth, we – are 14th nationally in opponent red zone scoring position okay. Okay. or scoring percentage. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. All right. So, so let's do this. Has any of what you've seen changed your projection for the year? I will start by saying I did not think a national championship was in the cards. I thought a potential turn to the college football championship was a strong possibility. I thought a turn to the SEC championship game was a lock. Now I'm looking around at Ohio State, Bama, and saying from week to week, flip a coin. I think that we are easily as good as either one. Depending on how I feel that week, I would say that we're better. And I don't know that there's anybody even close to the conversation. And this is coming from one that loves Michigan. So I'm the point where not only do I think we could make the college football playoff, I think that we could win the national championship. And I did not think that a month ago. Jay, I think you had similar, you shared similar feelings. I, I agree. I, there's there's only been one significant thing that has changed about my preseason projection, and that one thing is pretty significant, which is <laughs> before the season, I thought we were really good, but probably not as good as Alabama. Now I think we're really good and probably a little better than Alabama. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a major change. Um, I, I'm not I'm not betting my mortgage that we would beat Alabama for sure if we played them, but. No, I mean, go back to the preseason pod. I, I thought, yes, we're both very good, but they're going to have the best player on offense. They're going to have the best player on defense. Um, maybe that's still the case. Uh, I guess I guess that's debatable. A little but, more debatable uh, now. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. And uh, no, I, if, if we played tomorrow, um, I would probably be expecting a good game and would be very disappointed if we lost. Um, yeah. That has yeah. changed from the preseason for me. I would say my projections of how good this team is have changed very little. My projection of how far this team could go have had a okay. mild to moderate change. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, they're what you thought they are, but – But Bama of, and Ohio State aren't quite what we thought they would be Yeah, and uh, to this point in the season. And you, we pointed out all the flaws and warts that Bama has shown is all stuff that we said. And we said, you know, offense line shaky. They're bringing in Jermaine Burton to be their number one weapon when he was like the fourth best receiver on Georgia's team last year, arguably, or fourth most important receiver on Georgia's team last year. And I think what we all said is the one thing that we thought would be better in BMO was secondary, where you thought you just plug in Eli Ricks. Glenn McKintry's a five-star that played a lot last year. You got Malachi Moore, Helms, 
all those guys back, and that should be an elite secondary, and it's been a pretty good secondary with Eli Ricks not say, even starting. I mean, this, this doesn't exactly apply to preseason projections, but, I mean, we're doing what we're doing right now, um, and we sort of still have to add Jalen Carter, A.D. Mitchell, and Arian Smith. <laughs> That's 100% true. That is 100% true. So, I don't know, crunch the numbers on that, and, yeah, it's, the projections are – they're looking good. And Scott, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, one of the things that we heard about Eli Ricks is that he wasn't picking up the scheme as well. And it was like, <laughs> that's because at LSU, all they do is play man. <laughs> it was like, they play man 90% mm-hmm. of the time. When they're not, they're playing cover two or cover four. It's like, it's a lot different going into Saban's world where you're like, all right, we're playing stubby to this trip set, stump to this one, or uh, we're playing cover five cougar to this one. And you're just like, he's like, wait, coach, who do I have? Well, it depends. Wait, I don't have that. I don't have two. No. So just there's a reason that Bama and Georgia are as good as they are in defense. I'll just leave it at that. Um, grades for this team, offense, demons. I'll go last this time. I'll go last this time. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with A for the defense and or A for the offense. Sorry. And A minus for the defense. I, I think the offense has been a little bit better than the defense. It has not been an A plus overall offense because the you know the red zone consistency just yeah, hasn't been there. Yeah. That's that's really the knock, you know. Um, the defense has been good. It it has just hasn't quite been as good as the offense. It has shown some vulnerability. It's been a little bit too soft on giving up some yardage before eventually getting stops. Yeah, um, but. Still been a good result so far. Hopefully a few of those things can get rounded into form, uh, namely Jalen Carter's health, because yeah. that will <laughs> cover a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have the exact same grades. Uh, and for similar reasons, I have to grade the offense a little bit better than the defense. Uh, the offense is one of the best offenses I've ever seen uh, in Athens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um uh, they're running a, a scheme that is slightly different and better and more interesting than I've ever seen. And as we just said, um, they don't even really have all of their weapons going right now. Um, so it's an A uh, with better running game. It could be an A plus uh, the defense. I've got an A minus, as we said, some of the bend don't break tendencies are a little bit um, concerning at times, but also according to one of the major efficiency measures, it's the number one defense in America. So, uh, yeah, give me an A-minus on the defense. <laughs> yeah, and I was originally going to go A-minus for both, but y'all kind of talked me out of it because I do agree with y'all that the offense has played better than the defense, so I can't really get both an A-minus. The offense, same thing for me. The turnovers this past week do bother me a little bit. Um, they were uncharacteristic, but they do bother me. They were There were some bad turnovers, and some of the red zone inefficiency that we mentioned bothers me a little bit. So I'm still going A for the offense, and I know an offense scoring four to five points a game that has punted what three times this year, and I'm not giving it an A plus. That's which is dumb. <laughs> two two offensive turnovers on the season, right? So it's, yeah, yeah, two offensive turnovers. As bad really, as those two turnovers were, they were bad, in the yeah. last most recent game. It's still two turnovers in the You're whole right, season. On the whole season, so. and the defense is an A minus. We've we've already said it. Um, I just the lack of quarterback pressure, even though there is context for that. It is still a lack of quarterback pressure. Well, let me say that. Lack of sacks, because there has been quarterback pressure. Let me say the lack of sacks. And also, 
just some of the struggles we had with the tempo and shifting that was going on with Kent State is they did some goofy stuff, lining the quarterback up in three different positions before the snap, um, not subbing traditionally. They just did a lot of goofy things. They had a game plan for us. It was well executed. I think some teams are going to try to imitate it probably with less success because as Kirby even said, they were calling some stuff that made the guys have to figure out what was happening on the fly. And you even said this, Scott, that Kirby was not interested in winning this game by a lot of points. He was he was interested in working on things to get better at football. And he knew they were going to win. He knew they were going to win comfortably. He didn't really care if it was by 17 or 30. His goals are bigger than style points. And I think that you saw that in Kent State, and he even indicated that with his comments. And so the end result is that this is an A-minus defense, which is – a plus an A offense and A minus defense equals you're one of the best teams in America. And that's what we've seen yeah, so far. And, and I'll say, I think Kirby wanted the team to play clean yes. and work on some things and have a controlled scrimmage and win by 30. Yeah. They didn't play clean. And so they won by 17. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a situation where they came out trying to win by 50, which potentially could have happened, but that, speculation and interpretation there yeah yeah and you're talking about your you're a dropped pass by lab mcconkey and i'm up point away from it being sideways at halftime i mean probably a, a 30 point first half if lab mcconkey catches that deep route and doesn't muff that punt so it's it is what it is all right guys we're way over in time appreciate y'all jumping back on to re-record this scott to the people adios adios and dr j to the people adios go dogs this has been the Title on the Fourth Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.